Well, good morning and welcome to Front Range. How are you guys doing this morning? Come on. Very good. Very good. It's beautiful weather out. It's so yes. nice. Very nice. Hey, my name is Brandon Yates. This is my awesome wife, Jackie. Hi. She's pretty amazing. Uh, I have the opportunity to serve as the student pastor here at Front Range, and uh, we're just excited that you're here with us. We have the opportunity to co-preach uh, today, so it's yes. going to be fun. So uh, let's go on this wild ride. Um, last <laughs> week, we had the opportunity to hear from Pastor Josh Surratt from Seacoast Church in Charleston, and he uh, opened up this chapter of Colossians chapter 3, and he finished with this verse in verse 17. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so today we're going to continue this series through Colossians and we're going to wrap up chapter three and we're excited to do that. But uh, this coming week, uh, we have summer camp coming up on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. (laughs) It's going to be smelly, uh, but it's going to be so much fun. Uh, Now we've been doing uh, summer camp for a very long time. I'm not going to tell you how long we've been doing it, but one of the things that we do every single year uh, during summer camp is something that we affectionately call uh, Guidelines for Harmonious Living, or for short, GFHL. So, uh, babe, what would you say are are some of the best uh, guidelines that we have seen over the past couple years? Some of the best guidelines. So the first one um, I really like because it's very important. Uh, We're respecting our leaders and we're respecting our peers. Yeah, that's our don't be a jerk rule, essentially. Don't be a jerk rule. You can't really say that, apparently, (laughs) so. Yes, respect. Um, The next one is don't be late. Don't be late. My youth pastor always said five minutes early is on time. Or football coaches. On time is late. On time is late. Everyone is on time. time. And this one is my ultimate favorite. It's the most important thing. Most important rule ever of camp. It is deodorant is mandatory. For For everyone. 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 Deodorant is If you're a middle school parent, you know this, but all middle schoolers smell. All of them, not just boys, (laughs) all middle schoolers smell. Now, some of you might be wondering, what does this have to do with anything that we're going to talk about or anything that Paul actually talked about in Colossians? But uh, it it actually leads us very well into this next set of scripture where Paul actually lines out some of his favorite, some of his top uh, GFHLs um, that, that he wants to share. So if you're taking notes, which I'd encourage you to do, at the top of your sheet, you can just write guidelines for harmonious living. Because if you write GFHL, you'll be like, what was that? I don't even know. Guidelines for harmonious yep. living. So babe, why don't you uh, take us through the scripture? All right. So we're going to be reading in chapter three, starting in verse 18. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as with working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So Paul here, he's, he's giving some uh, guidelines for harmonious living, um, not, just to, uh, not, not just to the Greek culture. He's, he's addressing the Christian household, the Christian family on how we should live, how we should interact with one another, with each other in the midst of a culture that doesn't actually look this way. Um, the rules Paul that gi- gives here to the church are, are guidelines for long-term freedom long-term fulfillment in life, in our relationships. And they're not meant to establish 
different levels of priority, different levels of position or rulership, but they're actually teaching us how to interact and how to love, how to live with a heart posture of grace and mercy and honor. And the, the reality is Paul is, is reshaping and reshifting yeah. and challenging the, the Roman Christian household in this day on Jesus and how Jesus loved and how he lived with a sacrificial love and grace. Now, here's the reality. Not everyone in this room is married. Not everyone has kids. But I want you to hold on. If you're not in one of those groups, I promise you this is going to hit you. Uh, there's going to be something for all of us. So stay with us. Stay engaged. I promise you it will impact you. So GFHL, number one. What can we pull from this scripture? GFHL. So the first thing we see in this section of scripture is um, put Christ first in your marriage. And so um, Paul starts in, in verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. I knew it. I knew it was in there. Okay, but the submission that I think when we first hear that, there's a lot of us that have this idea already in our mind of what that is supposed to look like. Um, And just the mention of the word submission, and ladies, I think we can all agree, myself included, we get maybe a little uneasy with that word. Um, It stirs up something inside of us. Maybe we get a little bit angry because I think we have this misconception of what Paul is talking about and what... God wants us to know about submission in here. And so I think there's a lot of us who actually believe that um, submission here means that women are inferior to men in some way, and that's not it. And, and maybe we think that, you know, if we submit as wives to our husbands, we're going to lose our identities completely, and we're going to become nobody because it's going to be all about our husband. Um, or there, maybe there's some of us who fear, maybe with good reason, that just being submissive is just going to lead to being used and abused. Um, or maybe we believe another misconception that submission means blind obedience on the part of the wife. That um, I, just, I can never have any input when it comes to him or I just have to stay silently obedient, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen all the time. That that's, but that's not what God is saying here. Um, You know, this isn't the kind of submission that Paul is talking about. And he didn't just address this with the Colossians, but he also addressed it with the Ephesians as well. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So the first thing I want to point out here in this part is that, number one, this isn't women submit to men. That is not what it says here in the scripture. This is wives submit to your own husbands. We have a covenant relationship. It's me as his wife submitting to him as my husband, not just every man in general. And the second part of this is submission does not mean inferiority, ladies. I think I need to say that again. Submission does not mean inferiority. As well, submission doesn't mean silence. Submission here, we can actually break it up into into two parts. Sub- mission. There is a mission for the Christian marriage to obey God, to honor God in our marriage. And so for me as a wife saying that I'm going to submit myself under that mission, that's what I'm submitting myself to, that that mission is more important than my own desires. My, and that I'm putting myself below, I'm not putting myself below him. I'm not putting myself below my husband. I'm putting myself below the mission that God has for our marriage, for my life, and for our family. And anyone who has ever served in the armed forces knows that rank has to do with order and authority. 
It has nothing to do with your value or your ability because a difference in authority never means inferiority. Say that again. A difference in authority never means inferiority. It doesn't mean that I'm less than him or he's more than me. So, you know, we've been married for 12 years now, and some days that feels like a long time, and some days that feels like not that much. Uh, It's been easy. It's, yes, sure. Um, So, uh, you know, we don't know what we're doing all the time. Uh, We're still learning this. We're not perfect at marriage, but I would say, and you would agree, that um, we are better here in year 12 than we were year one was rough, right? We're learning how to be married. That was hard. But year 12, we're doing a little bit better. Um, But I was really blessed to have the opportunity to see what Paul is saying here in this scripture. I had the, the privilege of seeing that played out. Um, I got to live in close vicinity with my grandparents, and if I could think of any two people who lived these passages of scripture out in submission and all of this, it was my grandparents. And my grandma is and still is, or was and still is, a very strong woman. She's independent. She is what I would define as a strong woman of God. She is mighty. But in all the years that her and my grandpa were married, I watched as she submitted to him, not just because he was a man, but she submitted to his authority as the spiritual head of their household. And in no way did this mean that she wasn't her own person anymore. She still did her own things. She, God still spoke to her. She had her own life, but she submitted to my grandpa's authority as the spiritual head of their household. And, and in, on the opposite side of that, I watched as my grandpa lived and led in a way that was worthy for her to trust and to be led by Every morning, I got to see as my grandpa, well, I didn't get to see because he was awake before me, but he would get up every morning before anyone else in the house was awake. He would wake up and he would get his Bible and he would sit and he would pray. And he would seek God first in everything, every single day, starting his day, submitting fully to God and what God's will was for him, his family, and his marriage in that day. And so my grandma knew that she could trust him. She could follow his lead because he had submitted himself to God's authority. And and God spoke to my grandma too. And my grandpa cared about what God was speaking to my grandma. And they would come together and they would pray together and work as a team. It was unity that they were in. They weren't working against each other. They were working together. And, you know, my grandpa did things too that to serve and love my grandma. My entire childhood, my grandma worked and my grandpa was retired. And so while my grandma was at work, Every single Monday, my grandpa did the laundry. He washed it, dried it, folded it, and put it all away in one day, which was amazing. It was a miracle. Um, And then every Friday, he would scrub the house from top to bottom so that when my grandma came home from work, that was the last thing she had to worry about. And that was his way of loving and serving her. And we got to watch this example growing up, and I got to see that in a marriage, it was total submission. Me submitting to my husband, but my husband submitting to God and God's authority and leading and loving our family well. Yeah. So what we, what we see, Paul doesn't just exhort wives only. He doesn't just stop with the wives, but husbands, we actually have a part to play. We have a, a role. We have a, a purpose. And, and honestly, we, we have a, a pretty heavy calling by God that I think sometimes we, we diminish. But in verse 19, it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let's be honest, Paul, Paul right here, what, he, what he's calling us to do sometimes doesn't really come naturally um, to, to the men of, of, of our culture, right? It's not always celebrated to be a soft, tender-hearted man, 
right? You gotta be tough, you gotta be big, you gotta be dirty, you gotta be gross. Ugh. Like, it's, it, it doesn't always fit into kind of the culture of today or maybe even how some of us were raised and brought up within our own homes or the examples that we were able to see. But, but the, the idea that Paul's saying here is like, you know who actually enjoys a tender-hearted husband? His wife. You know who actually celebrates a, a husband who serves and puts his wife above himself? Our God. So whether culture responds to it or celebrates it or not, it doesn't matter. It's our calling as husbands to serve our wives. Uh, It can be easy for us to look at this verse and, and, and just pretty much say like, oh, husbands, be nice to your wives, right? Like that first GFHL, don't be a jerk. Like, okay, be nice. And, and if we're being honest for, for some of the marriages in this room or watching online, like that would actually be a great starting point. And I don't want to diminish that. If that's where you're at today, then start there. That's okay. That's a good place to start. But Paul's real challenge is actually for us as husbands to continually practice self-denial for the sake of building up our wives and encouraging them and loving them. Paul, Paul tells the Christian household here. He's addressing the Christian household. He's not just addressing the, he's not addressing the Roman household. He's, he's not addressing the American household. He's writing to the Christian household, those of us who have submitted ourselves to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. He's telling us how we're supposed to live in total submission to God. And that when we serve our wives, we understand that that is a God-given assignment to be taken very seriously. See, Paul wrote this because, um, especially in this day and age, and even in our culture today, like I've said, it was very easy, very common for, for the husband to, to lord over and to rule over with an iron fist. And, and Paul right here is, is saying that there is no room in a Christian household for this to have a hint of, of room. There's no way in a Christian household. He doesn't overtly say it, but he, he's calling us out and he's saying, husbands, Stop it. Knock it off. We're supposed to love our wives. We're supposed to serve our wives. Men, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And if we know that, if we can do that, if we see how Jesus loved his church and served his church, and if we as husbands can emulate that, we'll find some success. But first we have to see that. In Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also gave himself up for her. Christ gave himself up for his church. He served his church. He served us. I'm called to build up my wife. I'm called to first serve her, to love her, to think about her needs above my own husband's. Our wives are not stepping stools to be elevated upon. We're called to, 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 to go under and to lift up and to build up. Our unconditional love and acceptance of our wives has nothing to do with their submission to me. Our love and acceptance of our wives has everything to do with her value as a daughter of God, to come alongside her, to see her value, to see the gift that she is. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're thinking, recognizing the value that she has as a daughter of Christ. In 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, in the same ways husbands must give honor to our wives. Do we see our wives as valuable? Do we recognize their worth? Do we see that they deserve to be treated? My wife deserves to be treated, not just how I feel that day. If I woke up grumpy, man, then 
it's going to be a hard day. I'm going to be grumpy. Man, if I woke up happy, then that's great. If she does what? No, it's not about that. It's about her worth as a daughter of Christ and me seeing that as valuable and me recognizing that every single moment because I myself as the husband have submitted myself to the lordship of Jesus in my life and I'm emulating his love for me and how I lead and love my wife. So GFHL number one, we've got to put Christ first in our marriage. What's number two? And number two we see is put Christ first in our families. Put Christ first in our families. Uh, verse 20 says this. It says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Can I just hold on and get an amen from some parents out there? Mm. And if you're a child in the room and you're sitting next to your parent, like this is what they want. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. It continues in verse 21. It says, fathers... Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Paul, Paul here actually says something to, to a lot of different churches. He's, he's rewriting. He's, he sent this out to a bunch of different churches. And he's actually quoting the fourth commandment that we were given. The, to, to children, obey your fathers and your mothers. And then that, that commandment actually continues. And it's, it's the only one with a promise. And it says that it may go well for you. So kids, obey your parents because God says if you do, it's going to go good for you. It's going to be a good thing. And just as there's a difference um, in, in the order of husbands and wives, there's a, a difference in the order between parents and children. But just because there's a different order, we have to understand that that doesn't mean that we have permission to abuse the authority that God has given us as parents. Right. And so, you know, I know Paul says here fathers, but really it's fathers and mothers. It's parents in general. And, and we, as the parent, have to help our children make the connection between obeying us and pleasing God. Um, you know, as parents, we need to help them recognize that their obedience is, is more than just rules and us telling them this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. But that when they disobey us, they are ultimately in defiance against God. They're rebelling against God. And as Christian parents, um, you know, it's part of our responsibility to help them understand the real realities of sin, right? That sin is real. And to help them understand the need for repentance and for forgiveness and for the gifts of mercy and grace that are available through Jesus, that's our job is to help them understand these things as they grow up. And, and, you know, we have to be careful not to discourage them or hurt them in any way. And, you know, what does that mean to discourage them? It says embitter them. What does that mean? It, what would you say are some ways that we as parents kind of cause our children to get bitter towards us or, or towards God? What are some ways that we provoke our children? Well, I would say some of those ways would be like misusing discipline or neglect or quick temper or harsh words or refusing to admit when we're wrong, lying to our kids. You know, when we use these, these parenting tactics, we teach our kids that rules are more important and more valuable than relationships and that the love that we're going to give them is directly correlated with how well they obey, that if they don't obey, I'm going to love them less. But that's not the truth. So rather than crushing our children, we can choose to parent God's way. And, you know, we can use our role as, our par as parents to encourage, to build up, to equip our children and to strengthen them. And, you know, God has given us these children and he's put them in our lives. And our children are looking to us for guidance and they're looking for a loving authority. So we have three kids. Uh, there's a picture of them on the screen behind us. 
Uh, we have Jude, who is nine. We have Charlotte, who just turned seven. We have Olivia, who's three. And all of our kids are very, very different from one another. They have different styles. They have different personalities. They like different things. They respond differently to encouragement and to discipline, right? Jude, our, our oldest, um, he is a very tender-hearted mama's boy. And that's not a bash. Like, that's, that's me at my core. I'm a mama's boy. And that's, that's our son. Like, if you say something to him, if you correct him, like, words can crush him or lift him up in a moment. Because, you know, we've learned that words of affirmation are what speak to him. Yeah. It's his love language. Like, uh, Charlotte, then, we, we, we love Charlotte. And Charlotte's amazing. She has a little bit tougher skin. Right, like the, the same words that you could say to Jude that would crush him wouldn't necessarily impact Charlotte as much, right? But if, you, if she does something and you send her to her room, like it's completely devastating mm-hmm. for her. Because quality time is hers. She just wants to spend time with whoever she wants to be with in she the moment. She wants to be around you. Yeah. And then there's Olivia. Oh, Olivia. <laughs> they laughed. <laughs> they know Olivia. Uh, Olivia's the honey badger of the group. Um, like, like... She just doesn't care. Um, doesn't matter what you say. She's going to do what she wants. Um, and if she doesn't like it, she will quite literally throw hands with you. Um, she may be three, but pretty sure she could beat me up pretty easily. Like, she's... Yes. <laughs> but in all reality, she responds very much like Charlotte. She yes. just has a better poker face. She can just hide it a little bit better. But having three kids is, is learning how to parent three different times and in three different ways. And it takes intentionality on our part to be united as husband and wife, but also as their parents to to get to know and to foster their God-given identity and callings. And it takes intentionality on our part to see that cultivated in their lives. It really does. And so, you know, we look at this and we think, well, what are the things that we're doing or that we can do to encourage our kids to build them up? You know, we can learn their love languages. That's one thing. Just figure out what their love language is, what speaks to them. Um, Spending time with them one-on-one, getting to know them, who they are, who God made them to be. Um, You know, like, let's not react out of anger. Sometimes that requires us to, you know, maybe in a moment of discipline, take a step back for a minute and cool off and then come back to the discipline. Um, You know, maybe it takes that or, or... Saying I'm sorry, when you don't know what that means to your child, when you make a mistake and you can come to them and say, you know what, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I apologize to you, do you forgive me? Um, You know, doing that and also speaking life to your children. Speak over your children. What are the things that God speaks to you about your kids? What are the things that God showed you about your kids? Speak that over them. Remind them on a daily basis, this is who you are. You know, every morning and every night before, you know, we go to school before and before our kids go to bed, we always ask them this question, who are you? And their response is always, I'm a mighty man of God, or our girls say, you know, I'm a mighty woman of God. And our kids know who they are. We want to build those foundations now with them. That's just one thing that we do with them to help build them up and speak life into them. And you know what, we get it, that parenting is hard. It's not easy at all. And, and there's not really an instruction manual, right? No one ever tells you how to do this with kids. And we're each, you know, doing this the best we can with the tools that we have. And so instead of judging another parent, you know, how they parent or judging maybe ourselves based on someone else's highlight reel, you know, let's come together and let's encourage one another as parents. Let's lift each other up. You know, there isn't one right way to parent every child in the world. Each of them is individually made, and most importantly, out of all of this, we have to go to God with our kids and ask God, 
you know, what am I supposed to do with this child? Who have you made them to be? Right? Because he created them, right? And we're just privileged to partner with him in raising these kids that he's blessed us with. And so who better to get the instruction manual in raising our kids than the one who made them himself? And so, you know, we see the first is the first GFHL is Christ first in our marriage, and the second one is Christ first in our family. And this third one is put Christ first in your workplace. And I think this affects us all, and it may seem out of left field that why would Paul put this in here? Because we're talking about family, now we're going to workplace. Um, But he actually addresses this more than the other two, and he spends a bit more time wrapping this up because this reaches a lot more people, I think, than, than, you know, just the married people or the, the kids with, or the people with kids, but this reaches a vast majority of people. So starting in verse 22, he says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as with working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid with their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. And then moving on to chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So what I want us to, to see here is verse 23 starts off the same way as verse 17. It's a mirror image of that. And it says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for the Lord, whether you're a husband or a wife, do it for the Lord, whether you're a, a parent or a child, do it for the Lord, whether uh, you're, you're an employer, employer, do it unto the Lord. And this set of scripture right here, verse 22, it starts off kind of blunt, right? Like slaves obey your masters. And when we hear that in today's context, it can kind of put like, it puts a gut in some of our stomachs and kind of, it, it rubs us the wrong way. But I want us to understand something about the culture to which Paul was writing here. At this time, when they were reading this letter, when it was written, more than half the people seen on the streets of any of the great cities of Rome would have fallen into this category of slave. This was the status of the majority of professionals, uh, doctors and teachers, uh, menial workers, craftsmen, architects. They would have fallen into this category of Slave, And when we see this word, the definition, the way that we can define this word is this, is that someone devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. Am I saying some people didn't take advantage of this? No, absolutely. But what I am saying is this is kind of a picture that Paul is painting uh, to the Christian household, again, reframing how we see it and how we're supposed to see this. And a way that we can actually kind of modernly interpret this is, is an employee-employer relationship or really any time you're in life and you have someone leading above you or around you or you are submitting to somebody else's re- uh, leadership in your life. What we see in this whole set of scripture, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 1, is that we see that there's always someone leading and there's always someone submitting. Husbands leading, wives submitting, parents leading, children submitting, the employee or the leader leading and then us submitting. But the reality is, is that every single one of us leading needs to be completely and totally submitted to the leadership of Christ in our lives. If we want to be trusted, if we want to be seen as worthy to follow, we have to be completely and totally submitted first to Christ before we'll ever be trusted to lead anyone else in our families. 
And as we look at scripture, we can see Jesus while he was here on this earth and the picture that he painted for us and what it looks like to lead with power and grace and humility and still be completely and totally submitted to the leadership of someone else. He was fully submitted to the will and the call of God. When we look at at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was arrested, beaten and hung on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. We see him, he's stumped over the stoop and he's praying and he's crying out to God. And he's saying, Father, he said, God, take this cup from me. If there's any other way that you can accomplish what you want to accomplish, if there's any other way, Jesus knows the pain that he's about to endure. He knows the sacrifice that's about to happen and his humanity comes forth and he says, God, if there's any other way that this can happen, please do it. But he wraps up that statement in complete surrender to the will of God for his life and he says, but not my will, but your will be done. Husbands, this is how we lead our wives. This is how we love our wives where we say, not my will, but your will be done. God, your will in my family, your will in my life as parents, not not my will for my kids, but God, I hear from you, your will for my kids, not my will, but your will be done. Leadership is only safe in the hands of those of us who have chosen to be completely and totally surrendered and submitted to Christ and to be willing to sacrifice ourselves for those that we love. Yeah, and ultimately true submission happens when we understand our role um, in the kingdom of, of God and his leadership in our lives because submission isn't restraints. Submission is freedom. That's what that gives us. It gives us freedom in our lives. So, you know, as a wife, as we sit here today, if you're a wife asking ourselves, you know, are we trusting our husbands to lead our families well? Are we, or are we constantly undermining everything that they have to say? Or, you know, husbands, are you leading and loving your family in a way that's worthy of being followed, in a way that's worthy of being trusted? And moms and dads, are we speaking life into our kids? Are we encouraging them? Are we loving them the way that God does? And for all of us here, you know, are we honoring those people that God has placed in authority over us? Are we honoring them even when we don't feel like it, even when we don't want to? No matter what area is speaking to you today, we have to ask ourselves this question, am I honoring God by loving the people around me well? And so, you know, there are some of you in this room that maybe this message, it really strikes a chord with you. Maybe you're struggling with this right now as we speak through, you know, honor and submission. Maybe there's something stirring inside of you right now, and maybe you haven't taken that first step of submission into submitting to God's authority first, submitting your life to him and saying, I want the freedom that you have to offer me. Maybe you haven't done that today, and I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. As we sit here today and, um, you know, maybe that's you right now. And if that's you, I, wanna, I want you to take that chance today. And we're going to close in a prayer. And so um, we'll just pray together. Um, so, Lord God, we just thank you so much for today. Um, God, we just thank you for your freedom and your grace that you give to us, God. Um, God, I thank you that in submission we can try and find true and everlasting freedom in you, God. We can find love and we can find grace, God, and we can find exactly who um, you've created us to be, God. 
And I thank you for every person here, God. I pray that as we leave this room today, that you would speak to us in whichever area we need um, to grow in God, whether it's a wife submitting to our husbands, husbands loving our families well, um, loving our kids well, God. I pray that you would give us the wisdom we need um, to live and, and honor those around us well, God. And we thank you for all of this in your name.